Welcome, everybody, to the newest Tales from the Trail episode. We have here our Iditarod CEO, Rob Urbach, and we just wanted to get you on the phone and talk to you about this upcoming season, Rob. Welcome to the show. Well, thanks. It's, a, it's an honor and really great to, to be on Tales from the Trail. So it's been a you know, a, a, a quite an interesting dynamic, you know, as we returned from Nome last year after being there for several days, flew back on March 24th to a world in which there was no toilet paper on the shelves. And so the world that really had changed as we were in the last half or so of the Diderot last year as the pandemic was exploding throughout the lower 48 and started to have cases in Alaska. And really ever since then, you know, it's been a, it's been a changed world when large parts of the world, you know, went into a, a full on shutdown. And I think here we are just 74 days out from race day. I don't know if anyone really anticipated we'd still be dealing with resurgences of cases and it's really dominating a lot of plans and you know, how we re-engineer uh, our event. And I think that you know, every day is bringing new challenges in terms of you know, how we rethink, how we execute. We've been really very focused on COVID. It's probably increased uh, our workload somewhere between you know, one and a half to, to, to 4X, depending on what the program is. But I think it's really also about uh, the Diderot stands for in many ways. And, you know, we know that the, in order normally to get to know that, you know, it's going to take a lot of challenges to overcome. I mean, mushers will tell me that, you know, along the way, at some point, they they probably, if they didn't cry, they certainly felt like it when things happened that were out of their control. They certainly, hopefully, uh, enjoyed the sights, whether it's uh, just the beauty of the wilderness of Alaska, whether it's Northern Lights, and then Hopefully along the way they've, they've laughed and when they come to the finish line, I think they always have a big smile. So we're trying to deliver that same thing this year. And we have um, really done a lot to do to, to make this race hopefully happen. And you know, our, our real mission is, is to not only just put on what we think is a great event, but to really enable the passion for everybody, not just the mushers, but you know, all of our partners and sponsors and our fans to have an immersive experience. As we were getting close to our winter season, um, what what were your initial thoughts coming into twenty twenty one, into the twenty twenty one race? Are you <laughs> do you kind of have a well, what do we do now uh, thought or? <laughs> well, I, I think we're we're trying to, to extend that we we can have a crystal ball and see around corners as best we can. So any normal year of an Iditarod, you have to deal with numerous contingencies, whether that's, um, you know, weather dynamics, you know, whether that's, you know, uh, mushrooms that are, you know, have to scratch for various reasons. You know, Iditarod is such a unique event given the fact that it's, you know, largely off the road system, given the fact that it's supported uh, through the Iditarod Air Force. So we couldn't really have a safe event for dogs or people without all the flying that approximately 30 pilots do that are, you know, landing in the bush and really under, allowing us to uh, have our 
coverage for the event and, and maintain our safety standards. So this year, um, 21 is, you know, it's wow. It's we. I don't think when we got off the trail last March, we thought that COVID would be an issue a year later, but clearly it is. And so 21 is largely consumed about how we do what we do. And that means, you know, take the Air Force, for example, you know, they are in a unique situation because they're flying people and supplies and dogs. And, you know, so they're traveling every day and as a result, they'll be tested you know, every time they travel. They'll be required to wear uh, a, a K or N95 mask that is worn in a certain way in terms of how it's rotated, you know, or worn every three days. And there's various protocols we've tried to anticipate. So our approach is real bit as poor as we can. Our strategy is built around, you know, having these very, we think, robust protocols for uh, distancing and testing and quarantining if necessary in order to preserve uh, a negative bubble. We know that, you know, this, uh, we've been advised that, you know, if, if both parties are masked and properly social distance and outside, the risk of any real transmission is very, very low uh, because it's not completely zero. You know, we are trying to bear all that with very much focused on, you know, how we operate, how we eat and sleep differently. You know, typically, if you're in a volunteer, a veterinarian, or pilot or uh, you, you know sleeping cheek to jowl on the trail and communal eating and sleeping and are changing all of that uh, likewise the mushers are you're going to be a little more potentially more challenged if they're not used to camping out there so they may not be there usually is uh, you know they're using the communities have been gracious normally giving us a building to use whether it's a school or a community building that there is shelter and heat and electricity and power and running water and, and we may be operating outside of that so the creature comforts uh, won't be there but it's importantly you know, we're focused more on safety I think we can manage the event that's a little more rustic a little less um, nurturing but we cannot we're not we're not tolerating any compromise on safety uh, for dogs uh, or for people so we want to ensure that 21 is really about how do we do this race still keep our safety standards, still keep all the communities uh, safe, and everybody from our mushers and volunteers uh, to our pilots, to our communications people, to our entire staff, you know, how do we do this with the same safety and yet still keep the integrity of the event? You know, we so as a result, you know, that's really how we approached 21. What do we need to do to... Um, preserve the culture, honor the culture, and yet uh, innovate so that we can ensure our safety standards and still have uh, a great event. You know, I wanted to um, have you on the show, although we, our team, are in constant communication and, and we kind of know, you know, what steps we've taken, uh, you know, to, you know, get the ball rolling, get the COVID plan out there, um, you know, get this new trail route, you know, going. But a lot of, uh, we have, you know, our fans and followers that, um, you know, don't know all the communication that's going on in our end. So it's, 
I just really wanted to have you on so we can kind of go through some of these things in a little bit more of a, a longer form that's not just a sound bite on the news and maybe it, it kind of will help answer questions that our fans have that I've been seeing on our you know social media and you, we've been getting e emails from people so hopefully this will help um, answer some of those questions and um, hopefully put some people at ease, yes, you know, there's nothing set in stone for this year, but we are in constant communication and working with everyone possible to bring get this race going this year. We just released the, the new map, and uh, we've had our COVID plan out for a while now. Um, at what point uh, did you bring in... Dr. Jody Guest, who is our epidemiologist, on to start that COVID plan? Yeah, it's a great question. So we um, brought in uh, Dr. Guest, the original conversations were uh, earlier in the, in the summer. And as we COVID, you know, we realized it's, you know, wasn't going to dissipate by, by our race. We needed... Uh, some help, and we were super fortunate to have uh, Dr. Guest, who is, I think, done nine years um, as a trail volunteer, meaning she's been out on the trail, so she, you know, she really knows what it takes to to execute events. Her father uh, was a volunteer veterinarian on the trail as well, so there's uh, a lot of history there uh, to her family and to our event. So, and she happened to be, you know, full time. Uh, on the COVID problem right now as part of Emory uh, Medical School um, in Atlanta and advising uh, other communities and the mayor of Atlanta and others on COVID strategies. So she's in the mix there in Atlanta with the CDC and, and others and is very much plugged in as a thought leader. So we were, um, it's really been great because she knows our culture, she knows the event, she knows the mushroom mentality, and she's, uh, you know, one of the country's experts uh, in in preventative mechanisms. And as a result, we were we were able to, you know, work work with her. So it's really been lucky to have her on our team for the last few months. And how kind of serendipitous it was that Dr. Guest was an epidemiologist, and she had been an Iditarod volunteer, and has this history already with us. Um, to be able to bring her on the team with us and, and help us out with this COVID plan. Yeah, you know, you, I think in, the, the crazy thing is normally you'd have to teach someone a Diderot uh, <laughs> uh, who came in from the outside. So it just happens that, you know, she's uh, uh, one of the insider uh, to our culture, to our people, uh, knows the how we travel, uh, how we live, how we eat, um, and, and it's it's just you, it couldn't have been yeah a dream team a dream for us to have someone like that available to us uh, who shares a passion from the event but has the discipline of, of a of a trained scientist who in exactly in her field so yeah we couldn't really ask for a better dynamic than having Dr. Guest as our COVID czar. I know you follow other sports as well. Um, is it? 
normal now for sports teams and uh, organizations to have their own epidemiologists on uh, their staff now? No, I don't think so. I think they all have, you know, experts that they go to that, are, that um, you know, are, are probably more one step removed. So I think it's pretty unusual. You know, if you're a major team sport, sure, you've got a team doctor with their orthopedics guys that are you know, dealing with injuries and not have the background in infectious diseases that someone like Dr. Guest has. So I think it's a really unique unique situation and again we're just super fortunate that uh, the stars were aligned uh, for that one and she's been not only her but she's got um, research associates that have been uh, providing us with some of our own modeling and some of our uh, very detailed testing schematics so she uh, speaks uh, you know she's uh, eating sleeping and breathing COVID Uh, she has been for several months so it's really important to understand you know, one thing to say you're going to test. There's nothing to say, okay, what kind of test? You know, there will be all the different information regarding rapid test, PCR test, and then, you know, what the impact of, of the vaccine is and is not going to be. And, and so it's, it's, you know, she's able to answer very, very important questions and help us to really be very specific as we can on our plan. And at the same time, and there's probably going to be a, very well could be some substantial changes between now and race day, and it could, you know, it, 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 could, it could change as, as you know as late as March first, and, and how we do things. So it's important for us to try to get out in front of it. You know, we had the foresight even last this past March before we went on the trail for 2020 and reached out to Dr. Zink's office and had a conversation with Dr. Zink and Dr. McLaughlin and another state. Uh, apartments of DHSS to to help us think through, and that helped us have a protocol plan in place. At that point, we were just concerned: what if somebody got sick on the trail? What do we do? And we went through and built that contingency plan. Now we're, you know, five light years ahead of that, and saying, you know, what's everything we do to have the best chance of having completely zero transmission? So that's how we built our plan. That's our goal. We can't guarantee that that can happen. We know how critical it is to not put uh, certain communities at risk, and therefore we may be, you know, bypassing communities, and of course resulted in, in, in changing the trail as well. But you know, all this uh, has been really great to have uh, to have Dr. Guest as, as uh, our, our guide, providing us with all the guidance and providing us with you know, data-driven decisions. And overlaying that, they know that this is how, you know, veterinarians operate. This is how the vet checks work. This is how our communications work. Um, This is how our pilots work. And so it would have taken us a lot longer to get where we are now if we didn't have somebody who had that depth of experience uh, in our vet mechanics. And we're hoping to get um, Dr. Guest on the podcast as well so we can kind of dive even more into what goes through, you know, her mind specifically with all that background um, on infectious disease and in writing our plan. So hopefully we'll have her soon in the coming weeks to talk a little bit more about that. Um, But let's talk about uh, the new trail, Gold Trail Loop. Hard decision to make. Um, And I, I know I've 
I've seen in the comments and chatter on uh, the internet, some fans are a little disappointed, and I'm sure you know everybody here is also. We really hope to make it to Nome, um, but it just didn't end up that way. But we're trying to do the safest route, so. Yeah, you know, you mentioned it wasn't uh, an easy decision. You know, we looked at all alternatives. Um, we really think that the goal of preserving uh, the integrity of the event, um, the, the greatest, it would have uh, placed unnecessary risk to, would involve another eight or nine uh, community checkpoints that we would have had to navigate through. And then you don't know there's certain quarantine standards that would have been um, in all those communities at the moment. It's extraordinarily difficult to do. And we felt ultimately there was just uh, put too much um, risk into our system uh, from a support. Um, probably not so much from from muster standpoint, but you know, too much traffic uh, on, on the trail. And it was uh, a multitude of reasons. It wasn't one thing that necessarily drove that decision. Uh, but we felt that the from a, a goal of 100% COVID prevention and maintaining our safety standards. Uh, we would have been up against a very, very um, difficult uh, dynamic to do so. And when we looked at all the alternatives, um, we still feel like this Gold Trail route uh, will be uh, historic. You know, it's the 49th running of the Diderot, 49th state, and we had something a little bit different. And the different, arguably, you know, maybe it's a little bit shorter, but it could be arguably as hard, and some people think maybe harder because for the first time ever, we're going to have two up and down over the Alaska range. So we've never come the other way. And then coming up um, uh, is going to be very, very difficult. Um, that's probably the most treacherous part of the trail right there. And then to climb out um, onto the range from the north going south is is, uh, is unprecedented. So from that standpoint, this could be uh, one for the ages. And then with all layer on that, you know, a little bit lack of creature comforts on the trail <laughs> this year. Uh, we think it's certainly uh, worthy. Uh, if you're a rookie, um, we, you know, sure, they all want to go to Nome and they all want to, you know, probably dream about finishing under the arches in Nome. And, you know, I think we'll do the best we can to, you know, that, that belt buckle for the rookies and finishers um, will hopefully have the same psychic value. You know, we certainly plan on uh, being back uh, in Nome in, in 22. Um, but the, the trail loop, gold trail loop, sort of honors, um, you know, some of the early, obviously the early settlers uh, in Alaska going back to when gold was discovered there uh, in 1908. And there was some something around between five and 10,000 people uh, that were moved into that area uh, in order to uh, mine gold. And so we have a, uh, not just a Diderot, uh, which is essentially an abandoned mining town, to now to flat as well. Gives us a little bit loop. Think about kind of a lollipop there where we'll kind of loop that around. We're still sorting out that's never been done before. So we have to sort out, you know, where the trail, there's a couple different ways to run that route and how that loops around back onto the to the route. So that's going to be interesting in, in its own right. And, you know, sort of we, we know we are, you know, always about, you know, knowing that for a long time, centuries, you know, dog teams 
healthcare, because obviously to go back and we talk about 1925 here in a minute, but I think the trail um, will be really interesting. It's, you know, from a fan standpoint, um, you know, for the first time ever, we can pretty much guarantee we'll be able to cover the back of the pack. The problem with doing it uh, to Nome is it's weather-wise, it, you know, when the pack gets spread out by a couple hundred miles, you know, we have to, you know, we have two planes that furry our insider crew around, but with weather and things, you can hit, it might be hard mm-hmm. uh, to capture. And last year, you know, we got sort of shut out with the storms and kept the Elon 11 back for a couple couple days. And, and now they're all coming back uh, into the little area. We'll have some really great coverage, uh, not just obviously the winners, but, you know, all the way uh, to the Red Lantern Award. So we're going to take advantage of that. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably have, you know, COVID dependent, you know, a lot more people potentially <laughs> could see people coming in, uh, given we're coming in, you know, obviously closer to, to population center than, than Nome. So we have to see how that goes with regards to the COVID dynamic. But there's so many things that's pretty interesting, uh, about this race. And there, you know, we, we just don't really, um, entirely know what it's going to be like coming up the coming up the range right there's a there's some steps there there's uh, some pretty steep spots and um we know they can get in trouble going down and, and going up and especially coming up but you know after you've been at it for you know five six seven days it's, you get a little fatigue maybe maybe really challenging so we'll see what kind of obstacles that presents so i do think that you know this 49th event Duration of Diderot was very marble for it. It's, it's a different course and, and and unprecedented in many ways. And you know we're, we've uh, we made a decision. I suppose history will tell if it's the right or wrong decision. But you know at this point, you know we're just asking our supporters to to be patient and help us make this decision uh, the best that we can be. I'm pretty interested in hearing from the mushers after the race is done at those who have done both, you know, the, the regular route and this route on how those steps affect their, um, their race strategy. There's probably going to be some, some different strategies this year. And I also hope to talk to, to Mark, uh, Nordman, our, um, race marshal about what he thinks some of those different type strategies are going to be as far as timing goes. Um, I don't, think we've um, solidified our layover times yet but it's going to be interesting and and I think it is going to be a nice way to cover the back of the pack like you said we'll have better opportunity to see everybody throughout the whole race hopefully um, with our ins- really great insider crew yeah absolutely you know one more thing you kind of bring up another point is that you know, the fact that no one's done this before, they don't know how to dial in their rest. They don't know where to take, you know, their eight hour and the 24 hour. We're, we're still sorting through how the actual rules will work because we just met last night on that. But even so, there'll be some decisions to be made, like there always are. And that'll be really interesting because, you know, it'll be a lot of that will be musher intuition as opposed to well this is how Dallas Evey did it when he won and this is how uh, Zirkel does it and this is why she, you know, he, she came second four times and this is the success here so a lot of people look at strategy people realize 
there's so much strategy regarding that how hard you run your team, when to feed your team, when to snack your team, when to camp, when to move on. So it, there's just not a history of knowledge. I think what a lot of the mushers do is they watch the documentaries of the previous races and they try to dial in, you know, what their plan is. And, it, it, you know, it's, it's just going to be interesting because no one really, you know, there's a lot of nuances in it and they probably rarely stick and execute their exact plan because so many things changes with how the snow is, how the weather is, how your dog team is running, how you're feeling. You know, what kind of energy do you have or do you want to, you know, sometimes it makes, gee, I'm just going to, I need extra sleep or I slept in my alarm or I'm going to keep going. And making those decisions is going to be really interesting. So I think strategy may play a lot more role here uh, because I just can't rely upon, this is the warning formula. I mean, most of our mushers, uh, you, know, you know, we never know, but, you know, I, typically it takes a rookie a little while. I mean, I guess Thomas won on his second rep, which is, I think, probably pretty rare. But rookies usually aren't in the, on the podium at least but it could happen or if you can really win anybody can win the race but you but, but think about it uh, most of the champions have had uh, a few years to dial in their race strategy and tactics and you're just not going to have it this year so maybe it's be wide open <laughs> it could be it's going to definitely be in interesting um, we, we have a handful of um, rookies a lot of veterans we have a a few champions, uh, so it, it's definitely going to be the race to follow because even our most um, versed uh, fan probably won't have a guess on who can who's going to come out on top because it's it's just totally different this year. So it's going to make it really interesting. It's the, definitely a year to watch. Uh, you know, I, I think also is, um, I mean, you know, last year, uh, you know, Thomas, you know, really benefited from the snow. And I think his dogs were, were used to uh, training. We had a lot of snow in the beginning and some storms in the middle and kind of a warm at the end. So there's the kind of heavy snow. And then uh, you add in the variability of, you know, what the, what the actual trail is like on top of, of not uh, ever going in that direction. <laughs> you know, yeah. Some some of the, the dogs are always used to uh, going in one direction. It'll be interesting and in how they respond, uh, kind of coming home. So that probably depends on the musher's ability to sort of, you know, they describe it as really emotionally attunement and trust with your dog team. So really, the musher talent, because I think it's, you know, the, again, you know, this is my. Um, you know, sort of to read here is that the really good mushers really get their dog team to kind of the right uh, trust and emotionality around it. And it might just be even more challenging given the dogs are going, hey, you know, what do you mean? I normally go to Nome here. Why are we, trying to, why are we going this way? So it'll be interesting and see, and see how that plays out. It sure will. Uh, one thing I want to circle back on is how... Um, parallel we are with the uh, 1925 serum run and I know we're not since we're not going to know a, a lot of people had uh, commented and uh, there's a, a meme out there floating around about 
well, we should bring some vaccines to Nome, just like in, you know, 1925. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen, <laughs> but it was a interesting thought. Yeah, I think even so, we'll still sort of channel um, 1925 and honor it uh, in, in a way, because, you know, here we are, uh, you know, almost 100 years later and in, a, in a similar predicament, and the notion that we're even able to pull this race off, you know, I, I sort of hope that it'll be a beacon of, we don't know this for sure, but it feels like by March, the, we could be turning the corner uh, on a clearly way to navigate uh, out of the pandemic, and obviously when uh, those dog teams, and Togo and company, brought the serum into, uh, into Nome. Um, that was a, a little lifesaver for the children of Nome. And the notion that they did arrive can, can connect with that and be a ecosystem that brings in, you know, wellness and, and spirit and community consciousness. And look, it may be that, you know, the state, we have offered the state, you know, they we still are going into you know, McGrath and the Cotton and Nikolai that, you know, may not have, uh, you know, may need us to transport uh, vaccine uh, into those communities. So it's a possibility that, you know, even, you know, closer in into Squatton and yet, and they're still, you know, off the road system. So we, we may, uh, we may be helping the state do that and whatever uh, the communities uh, and the state would like us to, to represent or advocate uh, we could do so, and whether that means mushers or, you know, if they have access or are, are taking the vaccine, whether or not we are still bringing it to certain parts, uh, you know, into into a Rhone or, or uh, a Rainy Pass community or there are other, other communities that still could benefit from uh, our traveling through there and whether it's symbolic or real, you know, we have offered, you know, at this point we plan on having uh, EMTs that sort of serve as our uh, COVID officer or COVID tech uh, at checkpoints and responsible for all the testing and, and the hygienic standards and also be potentially trained to, to give vaccines if that's needed. If the villages don't need that, then, then that's fine too. So we're, we're trying to help and, and be good citizens and stewards of Alaskan uh, health consciousness and in particular, specifically if there's anything that we can contribute uh, in terms of COVID prevention, uh, we'll have uh, additional resources that can be deployed to do so in, you know, with, with guidance and consultation with the local village, um, uh, public health officials and, and the state. Well, we're definitely keeping an eye on the rollout of the vaccines and, you know, hopefully a good portion of people up here will have access and uh, hopefully we will turn that corner you know come February I realize it probably takes quite a bit of time to produce and distribute and have a distribution plan ready and especially since we have so many uh, rural communities that um, you know it's just a little bit more difficult to get to and transport and so yeah, I mean, that's, that's why our, our Air Force may actually be used to, to transport if needed. So if we can be a service to do so, we'll, we'll, we have the ability, uh, uniquely the ability to do that uh, if needed. I mean, I, I think it's all, there's, there's a lot of unknowns that still be sorted out, but it's certainly encouraging that I think the number is close to 62,000 doses are in the state. 
now or on the way, and we'll be disseminated out here pretty quickly. So that's uh, that's pretty encouraging. So we, we just don't know what uh, what March will look like. Yeah, I think everybody's just kind of waiting for uh, 2020 to be over <laughs> and for the new year to begin. So hopefully we'll have uh, a little bit more light at the end of the tunnel um, regardless. So I know uh, we're waiting to get closer to our event, uh, but there's still a lot of work to do. So what's coming next? Uh, I know we talk about this daily uh amongst our staff and planning all the minute things, small things, you know, like where are people going to stay as far as volunteers and all the small things still have to be planned. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot to, to execute on. If, you know, for example, if, uh, yeah, if we're in a campsite, um, it's, uh, it's a tent, you know, an Arctic oven and if the Arctic ovens need to be, uh, set up, uh, in advance and they need to be uh, the propane tanks have to come out on a dedicated plane so people can't fly with the tanks and so that all has to be orchestrated and they have to be properly ventilated and then, and then we have to deal with food so you know if we're not if we're usually using the community's um, food services um, whether it's a cafe or restaurant or just a supply chain and we're not going to use that community then that means we're flying out uh, all of our food for volunteers and staff, et cetera. Um, you know, the, uh, so the level of detail that uh, has to be executed and, and you know, normally our food drops for the mushers are something we'd be very focused on. We are focused on it now, but so they're changing. So if you're not going to Unicleat and White Mountain, what you normally put in that bag, you know, where does that go? And we're putting that up uh, here shortly so the mushing community can know that. So we're having to re rework uh, food drop is a critical piece. The mushers usually show up at their food drop with 26 different bags that go different places. So they have plenty of food for their dogs and, and for them and some additional additional supplies. So uh, we um, really wanted to first and foremost ensure that we could uh, have a safe event, and so we've been. Most of our energy has been focused on you know the, the decision on the trail. Now, how do we execute that? And then we're looking at you know how do we ensure um, the an Anchorage uh, ceremonial start and our restart, and we're starting to fine tune the protocols that are there. There's still a few items to to sort through. And I know we've been working on our data writer program, which is all going to be re-reworked. Um, and you know, that's something we'll need to need to focus on uh, over the next few days. We're not really taking, and I don't think we'll work on Christmas Day, but there's just so much that needs to be uh, executed uh, and as, as our race is rapidly approaching. And we have a whole... You know, junior did a ride for our event as well that we'll obviously need to ensure that we can maintain the same level of, of COVID prevention strategies. So it's um, it's a, a big process. You know, we are um, all COVID all the time, but we still want to put on a great event. We still are working aggressively to expand our insider coverage. Um, we have uh, built a lot of additional content that can be broadly appealing to 
all dog owners are dog lovers. So content, and, and you know, Kristen, I want to thank you for being, driving all this forward. So we have already built a substantial amount of video content. If you haven't seen it, you can go onto our website and find Insider 2.0 content, which is our next version, which is content about nutrition and training and wellness and breeding and genetics and, you know, questions about um, general uh, wellness and, and dog care and traveling with dogs. This is much broader than just sled dogs. We're trying to take the knowledge that we know uh, from sled dogs. I kind of I feel like collectively, given our veterinary community, we probably know more about uh, a dog exercise physiology than arguably any organization. Uh, we do have affiliations with various research processes that have happened, and we have a, a long-tenured um, Dr. St. Nelson, who's been with us for 25 years plus, um, is, is really looking at uh, all aspects in a broader way so that we can give this information out to people that you know don't really, you know, they, may, they may not have time or may not be able to go to their veterinarian or they may have some real specific question, and given our breadth of our veterinary care, we feel like we can be a thought, a thought leader in that and be an authority, so we're out there to create, to give more value, much more value to our inside subscribers that traditionally in prior years were really only seeing, uh, so coming on to our insider channel, which is our direct consumer uh, channel uh, during the race, and so now we have publishing a lot more content there, so, um, you know, this is... Uh, uh, probably the one thing we put a lot of energy into that's not COVID related, but it is, uh, it's related to, to all people that, to, to the 70 million people in the U.S. that, that have a dog in their household. There's really several of our teams that are working really hard to put out more content this year. Greg Heister, you know, leads that insider team, uh, producing all the great new Insider 2.0 content throughout this summer and fall, and he still continues to um, put new videos out each each week. Um, our great EDU team, who has worked really hard on a new newsletter and ha has a great you know team of teachers, past teachers on the trail, uh, driving content and and answering questions that just basic. You know, mushing questions, um, which has been really great as far as, you know, getting content out there to everybody and the vet team, Ask, ask and I Did Rod Vet. Uh, every once in a while you'll see I'll put some information uh, out on our uh, social media and through our newsletter answering questions that we've gotten through uh, email or posts. So it's been a really great year for information, more information about the Iditarod, you know, answering questions, even if it's just basic questions that maybe the not as um, frequent follower of ours have, you know, we want to answer those questions too to get everybody really into it. And uh, I think this year will be probably the best year to watch, best way to watch the Iditarod and follow it would be through the Insider, which is a subscription, uh, mostly because we're not quite sure about the spectator part. Um, but with the trail being closer, you know, shorter and closer together, getting the content might be easier this year. Uh, we have a lot of great new content, but we will be getting out um, 
information as as these things change and I think it's important to note that the COVID plan is fluid right and we don't know what's going to be happening in January or February so as we get through this we'll be sure to have all that information out there to our followers so they can um, figure out how they're going to be watching and following the race this year yeah, absolutely. I, I, um, to unpack some of that, you know, if for those of you who have only watched during the race and you see Greg Heister um, as sort of the on-air talent with Bruce Lee and doing all the interviews and all over the trail, he's really, really great at what he's been doing and producing some of the Calling Insider 2.0 videos. So uh, check it out. I think I think you'll see. Uh, um, Greg's range and ability to put out some really valuable content. Some of this is, you know, you know, you see the winter, but you know, summer is pretty spectacular here in Alaska as well. And you can see some of that really great scenery that our dogs and our community enjoys um, all summer long. So I, I agree. I think we try to um, make our insider coverage uh, broader and bigger and better every year. And as the, drone technology just gets better as our technology just gets better as our understanding of how to properly uh, load you know content via uh, on the wilderness off a satellite you know we get better at that uh, every year so we try to, to make that a more immersive experience and our tracker um, is a pretty unique piece that everyone can follow uh, all mushers their favorite musher you have a number of different ways to have your settings know how you want to view your leaderboard and you kind of get a history lesson when you click on checkpoints you can see the significance of each checkpoint and see miles per hour and other data it's really interesting um, and as Kristen mentioned you know we sort of have a graphical interface of that this year uh, for a reading program for kids they can read their way along the trail whether they you know, pass an assignment or book, their teacher or parent or guardian can approve their process along the way. So we're really excited about that as well. Again, we'll give ability to everyone to get their inner musher on uh, along the trail. And, and, you know, this year may not be the year to travel. We still don't know that yet, but there's uh, some existing hurdles currently if all the current mandates stay in place. Um, that's all available, uh, you know, online and off our website, uh, travel section. But you know, we, we think we want to bring uh, bring the Diderot uh, to you. Um, then, you know, we know at some point uh, the, the year to come, uh, twenty two is our fiftieth year anniversary, and we're already talking about some pretty special events to have for that. And so for this year, uh, you know, things may be much better. Uh, from a COVID standpoint, but we're we're not planning for that, so we're sort of planning for the worst and hoping for the best, and, and that would mean that we'll probably have a pretty limited uh, crowd, uh, but we still may be able to execute some of our programs from a data writer to, to other programs if we able to uh, to navigate through and and, and, and fully be able to be confident in, in a prevention plan. Um, so I, I just think it's a different year, and the world is different, and. You know, when you when you see, uh, I don't know what the Super Bowl is going to look like on February seventh. I suspect we'll have, you know, a twenty percent full stadium. We'll see how they manage that. I'm not sure what's happening with, you know, there'll be some New Year's Day uh, events and parades, and there's a lot of football bowl games, and 
in a little private distance, and, and these are outside events, but the crowds will be much less, and so that's sort of what we're anticipating from the in-person experience. Uh, but we want to try to ensure that the insider experience, uh, uh, we hopefully will be, uh, we have the opportunity to really give you the best we've ever done. Well, Rob, I wanted to uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm excited about this year. I know there's a lot of fans out there out there that are excited that we are still running and even though it's a little bit different it's going to still be interesting and new and different uh, and very unique compared to any other year that we have run so if everybody would um, follow us on iderod.com we have a plan your trip section and you can keep up with all these changes uh, anything that that we kind of uh, get get ready to release. We'll put on our website uh, and on our social media and newsletter to be sure everybody has all the current information on uh, spectator travel and uh, COVID planning so everyone's informed. Um, thank you again, Rob, for coming on. My pleasure. Um, as, as Kristen said, uh, we, we look forward to uh, we think a, 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 a very, very unique event. It should be very interesting to follow. And and the spirit, the domino spirit of, of the Diderot in Alaska, we, we really are working hard to make it um, relevant to everybody. So thank you for your time and interest.